Welcome to Licensed Poetics, a podcast about creative storytelling. I'm your host, Fang Ling. And today it's just me from the Licensed Poetics team because Ahim, my co-host, is taking some time off uh, to go traveling and to focus on his creative projects. Um, but I have two guests with me here in the studio, Emily and Anya. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having yes, us. Yes, thank you for having Very us. Excited. Thank you so much for coming. Um, I'll briefly talk about how I met each of you. Um, Emily and I met at an audiobook launch event um, where my short story was published in an audiobook anthology and I was there to do a reading. And Emily was the facilitator slash um just like sound. producer. Yeah, producer. Yeah. Yeah. I actually ended up not doing any sound on that, which was felt <laughs> weird. Um, but yeah, that was Yeah, how that was how we met. And then Anya and I met at a mutual acquaintances film launch party. Yeah, it's a much less respectable way of meeting. What do you mean? It was essentially a house party, and I'm pretty sure the night ended with me throwing up, which I hope nobody saw. But um, I did not see. Yeah, it was you. a low moment. Yeah. And it's not even because I was drunk. I'm just, I have zero alcohol tolerance. Oh my God. <laughs> Wasn't even in a fun way. Well, Emily, you were at the party as well, right? I was. The party was good. I was severely underdressed at that party. Let it be known. I walked in looking <laughs> disgusting. Having yeah, come people from were like, very dressed up. And then people were like full face of makeup glam, looking stunning. Yeah. And then I was just the hobbit in the corner. Um, Emily and Anya are both writers slash filmmakers, and I guess today we'll have a more film-focused episode, uh, especially in our second section. Um, so let's jump straight into our reading updates. We'll get that out of the way first. For my reading update this week, I'm talking about a writer rather than a book, and that writer is someone called Cheslav Milos. I hope I pronounced that name. <laughs> um, and, and he's not a writer that you hear about every day in popular culture as much, um, which is why I only discovered him recently. And I was outraged because I loved his work. And I was like, how have I lived my entire life without hearing about this amazing writer? Um, I think he really need, deserves to be a more household name like like Sylvia Plath or John Ashbery like, mm -hmm. as one of the major 20th century poets. Cool. Um, so he's a Polish-American poet and writer, and he survived the German occupation of Warsaw during World War II. And when communism threatened his safety, he defected to the West and moved to the United States, where he taught at the University of California, Berkeley. And then because of his um, background, many of his poems are about like history, revolution, and freedom, and also about immigration and, and exile. And those are all topics that I'm really, really interested in. And there's this absolutely savage comment on the <laughs> Poetry Foundation's website about Ooh. his poetry, about like the difference between um, Western poetry and poetry from communist societies, mm. like from undemocratic societies. Right, yeah. And then the, the comment goes like, uh, Western poetry is alienated poetry, full of introspective anxiety. <laughs> but, but because of the dictatorial nature of communist government, poets in the East cannot afford to be, to be preoccupied with themselves. Oh. They are drawn to write of the larger problems of their society. I love that. Oh, no, I mean... There's probably some truth I to that. I think that's not entirely inaccurate. Oh yeah. I love that. Scathing. <laughs> okay, um, that's it for my reading update. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you for sharing because I never would have discovered him. Mm. All right, Emily. Oh, gosh. Well, my person is, um, he's from Scotland. 
So nice. I'm pretty sure it's Alistair Gray because it's D A I R. <laughs> okay. And not T A I R. So mm-hmm. really hoping that I've said that right. Sounds right. Um, yeah. So my I'm halfway through Poor Things, which most people mm. probably are more familiar with in terms of the movie with Emma Stone and Mark Ruffalo doing his cute little dancing. Oh, I've seen the trailer. Is incredible. that a new one? Yeah. Hyster- yeah, uh, so yeah. it came out a couple of months ago. Emma Stone. Yeah, I've seen Mark that Mark Ruffalo. Oh, There's a few others, exciting. but I don't want to watch all of the previews just because I find they spoil mm, they things. They do. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's great. It's incredible. I cannot wait to see it. Yeah. It's sort of told through like the lens of this um, basically scientist and he's incredibly working class and he has... At university, he's very isolated because of that because he's studying medicine. Mm. But there is a another kind of weird scientist. He's very much fits sort of that trope. Um, and they sort of become friends. They're sort of bonded together in that they're both the outliers, although they're both sort of the loners in this like um, kind of world. And then as he gets to know him, he gets to realize that he's extremely experimental in what he does. Um and yeah, one of those experiments being taking someone's and bringing them back to life, taking someone's body, body, bringing them back to life. Yeah, yep. which I won't say how because that will spoil it. Mm. And I accidentally spoiled it for my friend the other day. Um, but <laughs> and so this this woman, so her they call her Bella. Um, she is brought back to life, um, but has no memory of her mm. original life. So she's sort of wiped clean, and that kind of includes. Everything from like walking and talking to like social norms and social graces. So it's very interesting to see how she kind of interacts with the world. And then, of course, being so, I guess, innocent and naive isn't, I guess, naive to different things. She's kind of like swindled away by this dude and then gets taken all across Europe and it's sort of her crazy and wild adventures but it's sort of told from the perspective of yeah this original sort of scientist who wants to marry her because he thinks that she's amazing and it's kind of like mm. oh she's like literally born the yesterday the scientist yeah. that created her not the scientist that created her so it's not quite uh he sort of loves her too but he doesn't quite know how to act on his feelings yet she sort of acts on every single impulse that she has that makes sense yeah, yeah and so then this other guy's sort of like well i'll get in then this person well i'll get in because she just sort of responds to all yeah. kinds oh of attention God. and stuff but it's, it's similar so to the movie the um the scientist who like creates her is more of like a father figure and yeah. she refers to him as god yeah which is also like a little bit problematic yeah like there's some in the book there's some like slight romantic undertones in parts which i don't know if yeah like- it carries in the movie okay. as well i think i haven't read the book but i imagine they've done a brilliant job, job of interpreting it. yeah so is it like adapting. a love triangle almost um, there not, is a love triangle, but not with those. There characters. is, but not with them. Yeah, okay. yeah. So you sort of, yeah. It's just, it's so funny. Like it's very oh, dark it's a funny humor. Oh, really, okay. very dark humor. Very funny. What is interesting, like from what I've seen of the movie, everyone has sort of English accents, but the book is very much set in Scotland, and apparently it is supposed to be a sort of commentary on Scotland versus. England and this sort of sense. I don't think it's a commentary on like the desire for independence per se, Mm. but just sort of the like disparity between Mm. different groups of people. There's definitely a lot of yeah, commentary, like class commentary going on in there. So I've heard that that the movie doesn't quite touch on that. And a little bit some people were 
because the author was apparently very pro-independence, that so some people I know were a little bit disappointed by that in terms of that not making it into the, to the film yeah, adaptation. I imagine the Scottish people were pretty pissed at that because it's set in London. So Scotland isn't even mentioned at all. But Willem Dafoe's character is Scottish. So he's putting on a killer Scottish accent the whole oh, time, but fun. that's kind of the only reference that's to Scotland. interesting because yeah. we have like little street names and this and it's this building yeah, cool. and it's, yeah, so... Mm. Is Willem Dafoe the scientist who created? Yeah, he's yeah. God. He's the yeah. like, Emma Stone is the is Bella. The, yeah, being, yeah. The girl so being she's the yeah person that's sort like, of been the setup. Very reminds me of Frankenstein. It's very Frankenstein esque. Yeah, yeah, very, very Frankenstein esque. But it sounds like it's exploring an entirely different theme to Frankenstein. I would say I don't know about the book, but mm. the movie's quite feminist. Even though there are some really weird. <laughs> plot lines going on yeah, that are yeah. problematic at the end of the day it is all about bella and i i watched an interview of yorgos the director saying that in the book it's very much the letters and um told from the men's Male perspective in her life yeah but that he wanted in the movie for it to be very much bella's story so you're just okay. following this girl as she is learning about the world and poor things is literally starting from scratch starting, okay. so she has yeah yeah, there's not really the same, I guess, influences that mm. there would be on a woman her age that has had mm. a childhood, if that makes sense, yep, who's had yep. adolescence. Like I this see. person has kind of just been like dropped. spawned. Yeah. Mm. yeah, she changes a lot, whereas Frankenstein kind of stays this tragic figure the whole time. Yeah. yeah. She goes from being this innocent, pure idiot mm. to being kind of the most intelligent person in the whole story Dory, uh-huh. which is a really cool and coming arc. into her own rather than yeah yeah that sounds very in interesting Frankenstein where it does end mm. in tragedy yeah and then the, the book is a series of letters was it uh so it doesn't start off as a series of letters mm. but it goes it starts off as somebody finding the letters okay. in an abandoned oh, building that's cool um yeah and it's like a hundred years later or a, oh. quite a few decades later and then he's told to destroy them but he doesn't he reads them mm. so i'm assuming at the end we'll return to that person um but yeah, it goes into this sort of scientist that kind of meets this mysterious guy and mm. he's, yeah, he, um yeah, gets to know him, goes to his house, sort of sees that he's incredibly experimental with mm. his work. He's very secretive, but then slowly but surely he, like, can't really keep this secret anymore of this um, woman. And then um, where I'm up to at the moment is we've now, so she essentially, yeah, gets swindled by this dude. Lovely Mark Ruffalo. Mm-hmm. Oh. His dancing Mark abilities. Ruffalo, right. okay. oh, um, oh. Best role ever oh, I'm for so Mark Ruffalo. I'm so excited to see it because it's just I hope he wins is Best Supporting. The, is there dancing in the book as well? Uh, yeah. Once okay. I'm sort of up to the dancing mm. scene there basically. But yeah, he kind of – because he's like, great. She's Yeah, he just assumes essentially she is just incredibly naive and he will be able to manipulate her. But it mm. kind of completely flips. Mm. Yeah. And that – he and so he writes this letter back to like God and is mm. like, What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it's like you swindled. What have you created? And he's trying to get <laughs> he's like, You swindled me. This was all part of a plan to da da da. Yeah. Um and oh. it's really fun. And they like he thinks it's hilarious because he's like, Yeah, he obviously took Bella as this absolute fool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then now, um, we're up to Bella's letters, so she's learned to write. So now she's actually, like, recording her experiences. Mm. So, yeah, there's it sort of starts off with, like, her trying to write. Like, they have, like, little letters and, like, little kind of 
chunks of words mm. and things like that. And so now she's actually able to write. And then she wants to write like Shakespeare, so she does, but then it takes too mm. long. So now she just writes like however she wants to. <laughs> mm. um, but it's quite funny because she's sort of developing at a really rapid rate, especially with language. She's really excited by words. And so mm. if there's a word, she'll just write every synonym along with it. Mm. So there's like a page where it's just like synonyms for like happy because mm. she just like writes every single word that mm. she knows. Yeah. Um, yeah, it takes me back to like when I was teaching kids and I'm like, stop <laughs> saying good. What's another word? And then we would oh. brainstorm. I was like, oh, God, lists of synonyms is too much. That sounds really And how fun, like sexually explicit is the book? Because the film is a lot. Yeah, really? I've heard the yeah. film is incredibly explicit. Uh, like in terms of descriptions, it's not incredibly graphic. It's all sort of like it, it is described but sort of in quite – bed not minimal details i was kind yeah. of expecting i was thinking oh i've heard the movie is like you know there's a lot and then i saw uh an article with the intimacy coordinator and was talking about mm. how um extensive all the preparation was so that it yeah. was psychologically safe on set and then and like um, most of the scenes were closed set scenes yeah literally <laughs> what does that mean it means like only key crew that have to be there because you're doing an intimate scene. Oh, okay. yeah, um, so, so it's just like minimal people in the room. Less I of an it. audience. I haven't actually, like, I f- it feels bad to have not even finished the book for the reading updates. No, no, that's totally fine. <laughs> it's I, a I do it all the time, it's a work to be honest. In progress. That is it for my reading update of the book I've only half read. Thank you. <laughs> Amazing. It awesome. counts. Okay, um, Anya, it's your turn. So the books that I've read in the past few weeks include uh, Starve Acre, which is a British folklore horror novel um, by Andrew Michael Hurley, um, which is the only physical book I've read. Mm -hmm. So I'll just start with that. Mm. Um, It's a really, really creepy and disturbing book. It's not very big and I've brought it just because I love the cover. Um, and the reason I read it is because my mum sent it all the way from London, which is a big deal because usually we don't read the same books, but she had just kind of bought it because it was on sale and and didn't really know the plot. Again, she literally read it because the cover was cool. <laughs> um, and it was like way too scary for what she usually reads. Uh-huh. And so went, Anya will absolutely love this. Yeah. So she posted it to me. Um, and it's incredible. It's very atmospheric. Mm. Like the plot is really drip fed the whole time. You you start the story and it's this father, Richard, who's living with his wife and they're in the English moors. They moved there to raise their kid mm. and you find out that he's passed away at the age of five. And you don't really know how he died, but you keep having these flashback scenes where you realize that leading up to the child's death, he kept lashing out in really weird and violent ways. Um, Like he's a really innocent kid, but then one day he'll like come back home with a a mouse crushed in his hand. So it's really disturbing because... um, he keeps saying that this character, Jack Gray, is telling him to do all these things. Ooh, who is Jack and Gray? And so you're kind of like, ooh, it's a weird possession thing mm-hmm. going on. And at the same time in present day, it's the father and the mother dealing with grieving. And the way Richard, our protagonist, deals with it is he's digging out in the moors, just sort of scavenging for mm-hmm. whatever he can find. And he finds this rabbit skeleton, which he takes home. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the mother, in the meantime, is just completely delirious. She's just like roaming the rooms of the house, eventually invites these like weird spiritual 
occultist people into the house no. to like perform some kind of ritual on her. Right. At the same time, this skeletal rabbit that Richard's brought home starts to rebuild itself. So there's all these weird things going on and the atmosphere just keeps getting weirder and weirder. You then start hearing about old time stories of hangings in the area that were also allegedly caused by Jack Gray making people do weird Mm. things. And so it's just like a really, really interesting and disturbing story that kind of gets under your skin. Um, And yeah, I just absolutely was obsessed. And then I was going to say later on in the podcast that like, you know, it'd be cool to make it into a movie because that's what we're going to be talking about. And I was Googling it on the bus on the way here. Turns (laughs) out they shot it last year. So they already were onto it. And it's only a few years old. So they must have clocked how much potential it had. And so Matt Smith is in it. It's got really good reviews. So I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that one of these days. Okay, yeah. Were you thinking you were gonna make it into a movie? But then they got to it Obviously. first. Maybe. Well, maybe not me personally, but I was definitely like someone has to pick up this IP quick, but too late, apparently. Um, so that's what I've read physically. And because I've been uh, driving a lot recently, because mm. this shoot that I'm on is all in Cronulla, um, and I spend my entire day in the car, um, I've started reading audio books, which mm, I didn't really great. do before. Okay. And again, zero context for any of the books. Basically, I have this poster in my room above my desk that like, I bought because it just looked really nice and it has a lot of book covers on it. And I decided... Like, as a cool way to decide what to read, I just make my way through this poster that I have. Mm. And so, like, completely out of the blue, I just downloaded these two books into my Audible. One of them was um, The Tropic of Cancer by Henry Miller. Again, zero context. So I just start listening to it in the car with my windows down because I like driving with the windows down. It is so sexually explicit. Ah! <laughs> like, yeah, it is like pretty much... That all just about Henry Miller, like his actual life, living in Paris, like Uh, visiting all of the brothels. Henry Miller, is he a classic author? Yeah, it's like quite a famous book, which is why I wanted to read it, but I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, I was so not expecting it. And like every time I like pull up to a red light, (laughs) I'd like slowly roll my window down because I'm like, I am so embarrassed by what I'm listening to right now. Like, every single woman in the book is referred to as the C-word. It's, like, <laughs> so crass. Yeah, that's, that's hilarious. And I was researching it. Apparently, it was banned in the United States in oh, 1934 for Makes a whole sense. 30 years <laughs> until they republished it. And I did look up a um a funny review where um somebody called... It was a judge, a Pennsylvanian judge, Michael Musmano, in 1966, described Tropic of Cancer as not a book. It is a cesspool, an open sewer, a pit of putrefaction, a slimy gathering of all that is rotten in the debris of human depravity. (laughs) I can see that as a canvas comment, like in a creative writing course, like someone's like this short story. I have word. Really? <laughs> I would I would oh be down God. for that. I think people are mostly too nice. They need to be I, more savvy. Yeah, I, I yeah, love all of that. You'd be like, nice story, colon bracket, like the colon bracket smiley <laughs> yeah. face, and you'd be like... Yeah, that bad. means nothing to me. It means me. it's not yeah. good. Yeah. You, you got to get creative when you're trying to yeah. burn. <laughs> I'd always Absolutely. do that. What have do you like it. about it? And they'd be like, oh, and then you're like, okay, so you lied. 
They're just like, oh, everything. And I'm like, oh, that oh, means Oh, you didn't nothing. actually read it, did you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. I, I was, I'd have that yeah. framed. That was my <laughs> review of my book. I, I always wondered what it would be like to listen to a really explicit audiobook. Because I've yeah. never done that. All the audiobooks I've listened to so far have not been very explicit. Sure, yeah. But, like, I have read plenty of explicit books and always yeah. wondered like what how it would translate into the audiobook format. Yeah, I think it's a whole <laughs> other level of embarrassment. Yeah. Because it's like a real man who's probably like an established actor or something, just yeah. like reading it to me and I can't help but like think he's the guy in the story so I'm already kind of hating him yeah. for being so misogynistic about oh. women it's like yeah but uh, mostly it's just the embarrassment of it being so public because like everyone in the vicinity can and I love how you I'm drive with your windows down that's, that's <laughs> yeah not anymore after up. this book crank it up I- I'm just really intrigued about the title why oh, is yeah. it called that yeah I was gonna ask that. um I did do a bit of research and I didn't fully understand Henry Willard's <laughs> explanation but he was kind of just saying um it's a it's about like as much as it is crass and gross it's kind of about that sort of existence because yeah. he's a poor starving artist he's like living in the slums he's just leeching off of rich people right. so it's kind of about the like cancerous lifestyle so parasitic lifestyle yeah he's calling himself a parasite kind of oh, yeah so, he's like- so it is self-aware <laughs> And it is still enjoyable. Like, I still had a great time because it's kind of just hilarious how gross it is. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd recommend it. It was was a time. I have many Audible credits. Yeah. There you go. That's one of them now. (laughs) Number one. Just make sure you're on the train though in your head. Exactly. Head- make sure the headphones make are sure your like, very are much plugged in. <laughs> my, my biggest fear is that my wireless headphones would disconnect in my really quiet office. Oh, and then so everyone oh, in the office would hear what I'm, what I'm like. It would never happen, but I'm just so paranoid. that if Yeah, you, one day. Yeah, yeah. You never Even know. Even if I'm not listening to embarrassing stuff, I just don't want my colleagues to know what I'm listening oh. to. <laughs> you're just like, oh. And I'm also like, yeah, the like youngest in my office by like at least 10 years so yeah. like i don't uh, know that like wouldn't go down very well thanks for the great update what's your next book yeah the other one was just again zero context mm-hmm. i wanted to read an ernest hemingway book because i hadn't which really one? read one uh-huh. so i again downloaded death in the afternoon which okay. was on my poster on my wall and i start listening to it and it's like all about bullfighting and then oh, it just yeah. keeps going and i was like I'm on chapter five and he's still talking about bullfighting. Like, what a setup. And then I finally Google it. I'm like, yeah, Ernest Hemingway wrote this nonfiction book about Spanish bullfighting. And I'm like, oh, wow. So this is literally the entire like, book. So I reported. And I was not up for that. I don't really do a lot of nonfiction. So probably going to can that one. He's not Poor fun Ernest. misogyny either. Can I just say it's boring I've heard. Misogyny. It's okay. not fun. I've read one of his books. Which and one? Farewell to Arms. And uh, I want to read that one. You don't recommend? Uh, I haven't read it yet, but <laughs> let, let me know. Be, be honest. The heavy <laughs> sigh. I appreciate why he writes the way he does mm-hmm. because of the being like literally one of the modernist writers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And having the journalist background. Yeah, he's very and, yeah. You know, having the reaction yeah. against the romantics, etc. Mm. But like, I just need some adjectives. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know what you mean. I've oh, read- I feel like yeah. I'm actually reading like instructions for like, 
operating my dishwasher sometimes. <laughs> very <laughs> That's not interesting. Sure. I've yeah, only read okay. The Old Man and the Sea. Mm-hmm. And um, I agree with what you're saying. His style is very like blunt and lean yeah and he does not like any sort of flowery or even any descriptive stuff not at, at all, all yeah. mm-hmm. but then uh, the good thing about the old man in the sea is that it's really short so i just yeah. went through it really quickly yeah. um i i did like it i think it's sort of about like man and nature and like man being like really alone with just him and his mind kind of thing mm-hmm. but um there's this hilarious review of the old man in the sea. Oh my god! Because the, the the book is just about an old man at sea. Right? <laughs> and no, this title is get not, out of yeah. town. <laughs> and then the review is like, oh my god, stop bitching about it. Just go home and go to McDonald's. Ah, <laughs> yeah, literally. It's like there's letterbox reviews. I love that. That's like, a constructive oh. review. Yeah, that literally. will improve someone's day. Yeah, but yeah. Instead of just being stuck at sea and eating raw fish, just go home and go to McDonald's. You don't yeah, have to come be so on. Fish. You don't have to be Pull doing all that. Pull your socks up. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like reading that book was worth it just to get that just review. Just for that know? review. Yeah, that is funny. All right, I'll read that um somewhere because I I want to read one. It's just I definitely picked the worst yeah. one. <laughs> a literal nonfiction. Yeah. It's like I don't care about Spanish bullfighting. It's like a travel guide oh dude i mean and I- it's so detailed it's like if at noon uh, in madrid <laughs> if you sit in this section of the arena you'll have sun on your chair from 12 p.m to 5 p.m and it's like oh what God. on earth it's like an encyclopedia dictionary yeah <laughs> it's, it's bizarre his hyperfixation i love it <laughs> and then someone turned it into an audiobook i respect that effort yeah, yeah well that. it was kind of calming in a way okay. just in the car like okay. it's kind of background noise just yeah, have a nice I just- voice yeah. I thought yeah. you wouldn't be embarrassed about that no that one I was like I'm okay with this over. being public guys <laughs> maybe people will over. think I'm going to travel yeah <laughs> yeah or people are like boo put the other one back on like, yeah <laughs> yeah everyone's just listening with me at the traffic light the same people that do the same commute every day Paris one back on yeah what's the title again death in the afternoon and when you google it all of the top searches are just a cocktail that is based on the book. Yeah, that's how was, little um, people have read the was book. Was he like scotch and like he? I'd feel like every second book he's carrying, every second page of his book, someone's drinking scotch. Well, he was a full-on alcoholic. He, well, he? yeah, like I think. Yeah, it's a but popular that cocktail. title, that title, I get why you would like click on it, right? Because yeah. it's not it's like intriguing. I wouldn't a book about Spanish. No, I wouldn't assume it was nonfiction. That's for sure. Yeah. It sounds dramatic. It sounds yeah. like a crime thriller that- or something. Yeah, spicy. It is not spicy. Not spicy. At <laughs> Don't read it. <laughs> in Spain, not spicy. No, no spice to be found. No spice. Oh god. Yeah. Yeah. So that's me. Um, that was all my reading updates. Cool. That was super fun. Thanks, everyone. Uh, now let's jump into the second section. Emily James is an emerging writer, director, and producer living and working on Kuringai and Darugland in Sydney. Her short stories have been published in Australian and international anthologies, including Spineless Wonders, Queer as Fiction, and the second edition of By All Means by Munich Zine Library. Her first short film, Uninvited, which she wrote, directed, and co-produced, has screened at 12 festivals, both within Australia and overseas, winning the Best Student Film at the Golden Giraffe Film Festival based in France. Emily is currently working as a producer and sound recordist across a number of short films and is co-writing a six-episode television series entitled Woman vs. Machine. 
Anya Valentin is a writer and script supervisor from London. As a screenwriter, she has had several short films shot across England, Australia, and one in Ghana last year. And her second feature, a female-led action flick, is being filmed later this month. As an amateur prose writer, she is currently translating and co-writing her second novel with published Chinese author Zhao Yukun. As a script supervisor, she works on shorts, features, and TV series. Most recently, Heartbreak High, Second Unit, The Office Australia, and currently the ABC show Plum. But yeah,、um, I would love to hear about the action, f- female-led action flick. I would love to as well. If you can talk、yeah. to us about it. So it's called A Woman Scorned,、um, and it's a Manchester film company in the UK、mm. um, that I worked with. Before last year, and so they wanted me to write this film idea that they had, and they sent me the treatment,、um, which was not great. Like the thing is with writing on commission is a lot of the time they'll send you something which they think is really detailed.、Mm. So I'm like, great, I won't have anything to do. And then they send it, and it's like. It's just like nothing's there, so、oh, I end up、no. having to do a lot of the actual story building,、right. which is fine because I enjoy having the creative control.、Mm. But、um, it ended up being just a really、um, challenging project. It was super fun、um, because it was the first action script I ever wrote. Oh, nice! So did they、um, send you the idea and you developed、yeah. the script? So they、um, sent me the treatment、okay. for the film.、Um, What's the treatment? It's kind of like a long-ish summary. Okay. It's quite vague. Like a treatment can be as short or as long as you want.、Um, so longer than sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometimes there's even dialogue in there. Like they had laid out some fight scenes, which is why it was misleading because the treatment was a lot of pages, but they were so specific about some of the fight choreography、oh. that it just like took up a whole page. Which in a script is nothing.、Yeah. So <laughs> I had to fill eighty-five pages, which was a slog. Um, a lot of the time, it's just like space bar, space bar, space bar. Every sentence make it sound dramatic.、Um, but I had such a blast writing it oh, because、nice. um, my favorite genre of film to watch is action movies.、What? But I never write、okay. in it because no one can afford to make action movies. Yeah, they're so expensive, aren't they? Yeah, very, very expensive. Yeah. And this one is by no means big budget. So I wrote the first draft. I was so excited about it. I put loads of cool deaths in it,、Ooh. like really creative ways that she. Could Could like overpower these guys、um, by using like resources in in、mm. the house she's in. She's it's like a cabin in the woods kind of a、oh, setup. Oh nice, yeah.、Um, so a lot of tools, like a lot of hammers in the head, that kind of a thing. Oh hell yeah! And、um, I had cool ideas like a propane propane tank that she finds in the shed, like exploding that. I had all these really fun ideas, and then they come back and they're like, "We can't afford to do this, 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 and this." <laughs>、uh, and this, and this. Propane tank. Yeah, it was like all my most exciting ideas. They were like, "Sorry, we just logistically can't do that."、Um, so yeah, it's always a bit heartbreaking when that happens. But in general, I just had a blast writing.、Yeah. How do you come up with like these very specific ideas, like propane tanks and stuff? Like, do you... it's a lot of researching. Okay.、Yeah. Um, like I for that one, I literally. Texted my dad, who makes glass beads in a backyard shed, and he、okay. uses gas tanks. 
And I was like, that's where the idea. Came. I was like, yeah, I guess yeah. that's what spawned it. And I messaged him like, hypothetically, if you left a propane tank open in a sealed room, would you eventually knock someone out slash kill someone? And so we kind of puzzled that out together, which is hilarious. And then my search history, like you would honestly think I'm <laughs> a murderer. I was going to say, you have to be willing to end up on a list. It's to be honestly, because it's, it's like- insane. It's like, can you kill someone with a nail gun? Can you <laughs> duct tape up a bullet wound? Yeah. It's like all these insane... How long does caustic soda take to break a body down? It's <laughs> one that I have Googled. I could have asked my dad, oh who my was God. a chemist, but then I'm like, oh. if I ask him that, then does he put me on the list? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Will I be disowned? Mm, yeah. Yeah, so it's a lot of research. Um, a lot of it is like rule of cool. Sometimes you're like, it doesn't matter. This is going to look Truly, so yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Audience for the image. Definitely. Yeah, we're not watching 100%. a documentary. Let's go Very for it. Yeah, for a low budget action film, it's like, yeah. whatever. I tried to make it realistic. Like, they at one point wanted me to have her snap a character's neck. And oh. I'd written this character as like quite a beefy dude. And I was like, there's <laughs> no, no way been. in hell. Yeah. And I've started learning <laughs> jujitsu. So awesome. I, and it, that was kind of fueling my experience. I was like trying to act out the fight scenes in my apartment oh, with nice. my boyfriend <laughs> being like, Hey, Lockie, can you like pretend to like slam my head in the oven door? <laughs> like all these crazy things. Your neighbors are like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what is going on? Yeah. I remember Lockie. He was at the party. Yeah. He seemed like he's a sweet so guy. He's a real sweetie. He's yeah. so lovely. Yes. Oh. Don't worry. I'm not in an actual abusive relationship. Oh, yeah. Neighbors, it was how will we know? And how his neighbor. <laughs> if and if his the police go to your house, <laughs> what are they find? Yeah, exactly. The evidence is there. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, so, how long did it take you? to write that um, was it 85 um, pages yeah so in the end it was 85 pages overall collectively maybe like six days what, what? um yeah yeah i well i spend like half of the days planning and outlining and then the actual writing of it probably took three days but then they come I back wish. with revisions because of all yeah, the budget. Yeah, and yeah I mean, things. but even that as an initial process is just such yeah. insane. You have to be fast because like I'm not getting paid a lot and yeah. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. That makes sense. That's a good yeah. point. Um, yeah, you have to be wise. I just want to you... get it out. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. And it's genuinely very enjoyable. So when I've cracked the story, right, yeah. I can just bang roll. it out quite quickly. Yeah, oh, that's, really, that's how I like to write it. Yeah. What about your series, Emily? Oh, yeah, so, so woman yeah. versus um, sorry, woman versus machine. Yes. Yeah, so we are the lead actor in my film, Uninvited. We kind of realized one, we lived quite close to each other, and two, that we actually had a lot in common. And so we cool. sort of stayed in touch since we filmed. There was an application actually for an SBS like funded thing and so it's like a pitch cool. SBS pitch yeah okay. like it's called digital originals okay. so it's um yeah for a six-part tv show um quite short episodes she um has always been a fan of like telling stories sort of based on older people particularly older australians and cool. so we also have the shared background of both having family from newcastle which is like two hours north of sydney mm. It was a steelworks, like it's yeah, a like yeah. working class town, mm. but now has gentrified incredibly so <laughs> in the last couple of mm. years. So like it's um, but it's really interesting because you do have the older generation, but you have I mean in their uni as well. There's a lot of younger people coming. It's a coastal town, so you sort of have that beachy surfer vibe. You have that very old 
working class, very old school vibe. You have like a really thriving queer community there as well because a lot of the small towns around are quite conservative. So a lot of people flock there. It's just like a melting pot of all different people and places. And it's just become incredibly interesting. And another thing that we were also sort of encountering in terms of writing is this whole rise of like AI and stuff Mm. and like different things that and how that's sort of impacting writers. And I was like, I would love to not really look at AI specifically, but just like robots and just sort of the automation of things and like when, you know, things are automated, even though it does, like how it sort of benefits, you know, it serves the greater good, but there are the few people that sort of do get left behind, do mm. lose their jobs, et cetera, et cetera. And so we were like, Newcastle is sort of the perfect place to yeah, explore that because mm-hmm. it's, I'd love to learn more about you yeah we have like there's just so much change going on there and it's um like it's really interesting to see how different people respond to it and mm. um she actually lived there for a little bit so so I've never lived there but used to go there all the time and like still do and so yeah we sort of had this idea of this I call her female Harrison Ford she's really grumpy <laughs> <laughs> I like Amelia's very sweet like she was She's grumpy, but I'm like, no, she needs to be fucking bitch. She needs to be, <laughs> um, needs to be angry, angry. But anyway, she runs this cafe kind of begrudgingly. Um kind of happy to retire. Mm. Then finds out that they're like gonna with the place that like her business, instead of like keeping on all the stuff, they're getting rid of them and just making a robot run cafe. And she was like, well, that's not on. And then so because she's so stubborn, she's like, no, nah, I'm staying. That's stupid. But they're so her and sort of her like kind of band of misfits really are like they're now sort of have beef basically with like robots like it's just yeah, <laughs> so they cool. like so we like, never use ChatGPT here yeah so here. they like said it like they're sort of and the people sort of setting them up because there's kind of yeah I feel like there's so many different um, stereotypes around yeah sort of like battlers like this kind of like working class very like anti-technology kind of thing yeah anti-technology mm. i mean like battlers like in especially in australian literature as well it's like you suffer and that's what you do like that's like you yeah. suffer you work like that's mm. to have a better life to the you know like contribute like that's what you do and then for this idea for like a robot to do all that suffering but like effortlessly mm-hmm. is kind of infuriating it's very interesting um yeah, cool. and so but then there's also like on the flip side there's so many stereotypes about like a kind of like a tech bro or like somebody who's like you know ai is kind of their thing or like somebody who's keen for like progress and automation and like moving oh, forward i would and moving love forward. to see those two kind of people put in the same yeah room. like yeah. it's kind of they're almost different species in a way mm. like it's so sort of we didn't make it through to this next round of digital originals, but we're really liking the idea so much. So there's like different avenues that we're exploring. And we have a lovely friend who is, um, he's actually written a few books and he's now, we're helping him with his proof of concept for a TV show. And so we're going to see if we can sort of get him onto helping ours. So yeah, it's really sweet. We met him doing another proof of concept he's written so much he's really cool i've been learning so much like screen terms yeah today. yeah, so yeah. He's, treatment um, flick proof of concept <laughs> it's we a should lot. have a glossary at the end. A lot of oh, oh, learning of so much. 
I think are you you really need to have like a tech bro or Texas character we, to represent. The we side. do, yeah. We've got like well, we feel got- free to consult me. I mean, <laughs> okay. I'm, uh. I'm technically a little bit tangentially involved in the tech space. Oh, yeah, nice. cool. I, well, my dinosaurs. favorite genre is tech satire. I love yeah, people like, making fun of us. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, I feel like, in the minority because oh, I think sometimes cool. they can get a little bit up They get that. so defensive. Yeah. They're just like a bunch of fucking losers. They're like, what do you mean? We're not nerds. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? Wow, that's that's so fun. Thanks so much yeah, for sharing. Yeah, sounds awesome. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think one question that I wanted to ask you and I'm sure many listeners are interested as well is how did you get started on your filmmaking or writing journey um well I always wrote like as a kid I was always obsessed with books and writing um and it wasn't until I went to university and did a film studies degree Mm. that I was like oh well I love books and writing and I love film why not try writing a screenplay Mm. so I wrote my first screenplay probably in my second or third year of university Mm. and it was just a 10 minute short film it's a little comedy about a guy who like hits his head after a drunken night out and he wakes up with like this weird speech impediment where he can't stop rhyming everything so it's very ridiculous that's horrific um (laughs) (laughs) it was yeah it was a silly little film uh that i eventually shot in my last year of university um and yeah i i guess as the the more I got into the film industry as a script supervisor, the more I realized how attainable um, screenwriting and having films made was. Attainable, really? Well, just because you meet a lot of people who, who want to make this, films. Right? Okay. Yeah. And if you have a whole mm. portfolio of scripts, you just kind of trade them off and you can like yeah. either write for other people which I have done for friends or, you know, you can just sell your scripts if you're lucky or just give them away if you want to. So it's not like I ever set out, you know, wanting to write scripts and it is very different from writing prose or poetry or whatever. It's more just that it was a marriage of these two things mm. that I love mm. and it's really fun getting to watch something you've written get made, you even if it's true. not what you expected. Oh, I feel yeah. like it never turns out as you expected. Well, I was yeah. going to say that because, like, yeah, when things are not, yeah, like when you, it's not how you expect it to turn out or different things like that. Yeah, what that experience is like for you. Is that something you yeah. get used to or is it always still a bit jarring? I have to get well, used to it. I Every have been burned a few times. Oh, no, like no, no, I've no. had some really, like scripts that I really loved mm. that were made into films that I really hate. Oh, no, no. <laughs> um, so I always prefer to share my scripts over the finished products. I have a few coming out this year that I'm like, fingers crossed, they're actually good. And some of them are friends of mine. So I do have faith that yeah. there'll be ones that I'm really proud of. Um, but at the moment, I'm just concentrating on getting more film credits anyway. So it's like, you know, I'm not even bothered if they don't turn out well. It's just At really least your fun. name is there. Yeah, it's a credit and yeah. it's fun. Mm. It's just good to get your stuff out there and get it made because I think that there's no point in a script if it just exists as a script. Um, mm. I kind of compare it to sheet music. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, that's so that's kind of the end comparison. goal mm. in, a, in a way. But yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah, I feel like as a writer, you do get a bit more creative control. As Definitely. In, you go yeah. through an editor, but then in the end, it's still your own words, at least True. mostly. Yeah. Um, Definitely. So the way you write it is what people see in the end. I guess, yeah, yeah I've never really thought about that before. So thanks for... I'm drawing that comparison. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, film is such a business that um, Mm. you are really 
at the hands of the producers and the filmmakers. And so writing this action film and the other film that I did for this company, I, I feel like a sellout. I don't mind it because I'm getting paid to do what I mm. love. But it is very much like, you know, the whole kill your darlings thing because I'm very proud of my first drafts. And then by the third or fourth draft, mm. I'm like, all the things that I loved most about this oh, have no. had to be removed. Yeah. Um. So you have to get your head around that. Mm, but I don't you. have, you know, I don't have too much pride that I get bummed out by it. There's always the next project as well. You- yeah, exactly. Like one day I will write something on spec, which by the way on spec just means what like does that something, mean? <laughs> it means it's not um commissioned so okay. like yeah just a script that you have invented that's your own uh, idea, yeah, original idea sort of um treatment or so i plan spec. to write okay. something on spec that i really care about and then maybe have that produced myself mm, um yeah. that's in in the future at some point mm. but at the moment i don't mind being a hired gun because mm. i really yeah. enjoy it it's a great way to start i think yeah it establish is. a footing it's fun um uh, i do have a question though like when the producers or the directors tell you to change something if it's for an artistic reason or for like a monetary reason like would, would you feel better if it's an artistic reason if they say like i feel like you need to change this because the character's motivation is not so clear rather than we can't achieve this scene because it's too expensive. Would that um, you feel better? I much, I much prefer the monetary side of oh, it. Yeah. yeah, because the criticism's hard. Yeah, when it's when it's artistic. Yeah, usually I've spent the time and I've spent the energy to make it all make sense and bring mm. these characters to life. So when they come back disagreeing with me, I, I just flat out think that they're wrong. Ah, okay, um, and a lot of the time it's very political. So for this action film that I just wrote. Um, basically the whole plot is just, she's on holidays. She's seeing her sister for the first time in ages. There are Americans who are now in, in England, Mm. in the countryside. Um, and basically just this gang of guys come into the house when one of them's alone and kills the sister. Mm. Um, and they wanted it to be like a robbery gone wrong type situation. And so the whole plot is a revenge spree of Mm. our main character getting revenge for her sister who's been killed. And I just adamantly thought that the guys needed to be much darker and much more sinister totally. than just robbers who accidentally kill this girl. You go into a house in um, the countryside too. Like it's not like a, yeah. yeah, it seems because very otherwise intentional. Our protagonist is just going on this killing spree for guys who might not even deserve to get killed off. Yeah. And so when point. I wrote the first draft, I wrote in not super explicitly, but I wrote in like a a human trafficking plot. Okay. Where maybe they were targeting these girls to eventually sell them, um, which was much more sinister. I added a threat of sexual violence. Firstly, just because I think it's realistic. Secondly, again, it just makes them more evil, Mm. thus making it more satisfying to have all these horrible guys killed off. Um, and they read the first draft. They really enjoyed it, but the producers were like, "Maybe let's get rid of this human trafficking plot." And I really did put my foot down, and I, I was see. like, "I firmly believe that this makes it a stronger story all throughout." And I did win that battle, so that mm. got to stay in. I changed some things to tone it down a little bit, um, but that was the only thing that I came back and fought because if it's like, "Hey, I want to 
blow up this house and they're like mate we we only have a hundred (laughs) dollars yeah there's no point fighting that so those kind of conversations i never really um tried to fight against yeah i think you get better at knowing what battles to pick as well Mm. the more experience you get and yeah the greater understanding of the industry like you know that it's nothing personal is just money or it's yeah but when you yeah like you say you know your work and you know what makes it strong then you know what to fight for as well yeah yeah, totally. And they've hired you trusting that you have that exactly. creative sensibility. Yeah, they can't. So they should respect you when you have something to say in yeah, that regard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that yeah. was super cool. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. That. Yeah, it's it's fun. Mm. Um, what about you, Emily? Um, yeah, well, similarly, loved always loved writing. Always really liked reading first. And then we had to in year two, rewrite Jack and Jill with a different ending. Yeah, I remember the teacher really liking it. And then I think she, I think she ended up reading it because I was like, I don't want to read it. Um, and then I was like, oh, this is fun. This is nice <laughs> to have things perform. So then I guess that is sort of where the f- sort of film element of it started, like it being before. I know things are read aloud, mm-hmm. like that's literally how we met. Mm. But yeah, this whole sort of thing of, yeah, things kind of coming to life. And then I think as I got older, I still enjoyed, I still really enjoyed writing short stories, learning about short stories, loved English and, and you know, like different languages as well. But kind of in my spare time pivoted to really enjoying watching movies and TV shows and like really, yeah, having lots of unhealthy obsessions with different <laughs> characters, which I won't name. So I guess I sort of, it just the interest in terms of like consuming kind of became more film and TV. And then when it came to like leaving school, I was like, I want to do writing, want to write a book, want to do things like that. And so I did want to study creative writing, but then I was also really kind of intrigued by filmmaking. I'll hedge my bets. I'll do a double major film and writing. Mm. If I don't end up liking film, I can ditch it. Um, like I was actually, I was actually talking about it on set last week with a friend and we were saying like, once you sort of know what you want to do, it kind of clicks in a way, not really in a way that you can describe, but you sort of just know that that's what you want to do. And you know that you sort of find Mm. fulfillment from it. And I think with film in particular, especially if you're in like the production side of things, you know, you're working long hours, there isn't a lot of money in it. There's often a lot of sacrifices that have to be made, you know, artistically, Mm like personally Personal, yeah so you know if you're still enjoying it after all that it's sort of I think like it is the right thing for you to be doing so then yeah I think I just enjoyed it more and more yeah it's sort of just been a continuation and I'm keen to hopefully do it a bit more like in the future especially a lot more writing like I'm enjoying being on sets and stuff but I do miss not writing as much as I used to and so I'd love to get into that a little bit more I, that's the nice thing about film as well is there are so many roles. So if you aren't 100% set on, mm, yeah, right, I want to be a writer, yeah, yeah I want to be a director. You've you just got, get involved in a space and see what's available. You've got different things that you can push. That's so cool. Should we talk about maybe film adaptations next? Yeah. yeah. This, is a, this is a good topic because there's that saying floating around, the book is always better. Well, that's obviously not necessarily true always, but it is like a common thing that people say. So like, what are some examples that you guys can think of where the book is definitely better than the film and why? And also if there are any like reverse examples where the film is actually better than the book? Yeah. Yeah. I do actually agree with the statement, Mm. which is 
Yeah, which is shocking because I am such a film lover. <laughs> yeah, you're like, but, oh, um, oh, if anyone would disagree, it's definitely you. <laughs> but I do have a bit of a um, a belief that I think you should always watch the movie first. Because, oh, interesting. Because there is no enjoyment that's going to be removed from you reading the book. Uh, but I do think that if you read the book first there is a high chance I, you'll get disappointed by the movie. I have found that you're more disappointed that way around mm. than yeah. film to book. Okay, jokes, poor things, I'll watch the movie. Yeah. I'll come back. No, 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 no. not <laughs> trying to dissuade anyone. Movie. It's too late for you, Emily. I finished the book it's eventually. It'll happen, but yeah. It's so, fun. yeah, an interesting one, which you actually didn't mm. like, Fong Ling, but we've spoken about The Book Thief, which I loved oh. reading. Oh, oh, God. oh, you didn't like the book? Uh, I, I mentioned it in one of our previous episodes, okay. and it's my one of my least favorite books of last year which is hilarious to me because i loved it to bits i loved it too (laughs) i read it a while ago but i said in that episode that i'm gonna get into trouble for not liking that book and i'm totally getting the trouble held to account yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) i didn't like the writing style but just to say that the the film is like not even worth Really? Uh, well, I remember. Watching? No. I remember reading very the book, average, watching the movie in kind of quick succession, being like, it's just very, yeah, and just feeling like something was missing. Another book that came to mind, and I love the movie, so it's no criticism of the movie, mm. but I, um, I read The Help after watching the movie. Oh, yeah. And I absolutely adored it. And yeah. it's just a classic example of like, I think the movie couldn't have been any better than mm-hmm. it was. Mm. But you in the book, it just goes into so much more depth. Mm. You get to know the characters so much better and you want to know all the details of everything that you just do get more fulfillment yeah, right. from reading the book versus watching the movie. Mm. Yeah. So, so I think glad, that happens yeah. a lot. I'm so glad ah. you brought up The Help. I love that movie. I've yeah. never read the book. It sounds like I really should. Well, it's a brilliant adaptation. Like it feels yeah, it's the such same. A good movie. The feeling yeah. that you get mm. from the book is the same feeling you get from the movie, which I think is an absolute success yeah. of an adaptation. It's just it goes into more detail. Mm. Right. I have an example of a movie that I prefer over the book. Mm. Yeah. And it is a very famous movie. It's Arrival by oh, Danny. I've heard that's an incredible yeah, movie. Yeah, Danny Villeneuve. <laughs> Villeneuve. However you say it. I was going to bring up Blade Runner later. So I yeah, don't know how to pronounce yeah, yeah, it. Villeneuve. Oh, I haven't yeah. read the book. But it's such an interesting plot. Such a good movie. It's Lots one of my going favorite on there. Yeah. Um, The original is a short story called The Story of Your Life by Ted Chang. Mm. And it, he's an American sci-fi writer and it's a sci-fi short story. Cool. And I much, much prefer the movie because even though the sci-fi ideas are the same in the story and in the movie Ted Chang's um, writing style is like very lean and like Mm -hmm. very focused on like the sci-fi ideas and there's not as much emotion yeah but with the movie like with the cinematography the imagery and the music really just added that much more emotional punch behind the same idea yeah and that's why i love the movie so much yeah i have another one that's a short story as well yeah Yeah. and i do think that short stories lend themselves really well to movie adaptations Mm. because they just have to be physically shorter yeah i think Mm. that's Um, the perfect time yeah so my one was stephen king's um he he wrote a short story called rita hayworth and the shawshank redemption that then got made into the shawshank redemption and i think that the movie is better because it's one of the rare examples where they actually added more plot into the movie and it made sense than they do with the short story yeah um there's much more depth there's like 
I don't know how well you know the movie, but there's a character that comes in kind of three quarters through it who is witness to the fact that our protagonist yeah, yeah, is Yeah, I remember innocent. that in the movie, yeah. That's not, not in, in the, the book short story oh, at all. Oh, wow. So things know. like that. Um, and like Stephen King's short stories are probably the same length as a lot of authors' regular <laughs> stories. <laughs> yeah, like to true. say that it's short <laughs> is not necessarily oh, fair. No. But the movie is just done so brilliantly. Morgan Freeman just as a casting decision is so beautiful yeah. uh tim robbins as well just absolutely kills it so i think sometimes if you have brilliant actors it does really just adds. elevate it to the next level because yeah. yeah. you does. really really believe right those people. people are real yeah the right people well not that i've read the short story that blade runner is based off but i can imagine that a lot of people speak yeah in terms of those movies they kind of just take it to another level yeah it's so disappointing in the reverse like when the sci-fi movie is so disappointing in comparison to the book Mm. like very random example but i remember reading ready player one Mm. and loving it Ah. and then going to the movies and being like Oh my god! It you was, didn't like it. I worked average. like a one day a week casual job. I was like, I wasted my money. <laughs> no. What have I? No, I have not read the book. So I liked the movie. Did you? It wasn't bad. I haven't read. No, I haven't read the book. Maybe that's why. Oh, I think that actor freaks me out a little bit. Like his <laughs> eyes are a little bit too intense. Don't remember. For me. <laughs> I just remember it was like one tenth of the book's I see, detail, I see. personality. Yeah, the sure. book was a lot more kind of graphic and explicit and dark i don't know i just mm. found that it it was it kind of glossed over a lot of sort of the darkness in it which i think was what made it interesting in terms of movies that are better i have such a soft spot for the harry potter movies mm. and less of a yeah, soft spot for the books <laughs> less yep. of a soft spot for the books than i do i completely movies. agree i didn't finish the fifth one i'm, I'm sorry I'm, I, it's a big confession the fifth one was six. so long six and boring. Is six is great. Yeah, yeah I the agree. Movie's the movie is actually not that memorable, yeah. Six the movie was just too Daniel dark. Radcliffe was like my OG crush. I don't know if that's just Daniel Radcliffe. I know, Come but on. now he's kind of... Really? Yeah, weird. <laughs> A little bit weird. Now look Tom Felton all the way. True, true. <laughs> With the hair gel. Neville is where he's at. <laughs> the hair gel. Oh, yeah. true. Like, yeah. He I definitely mean, had a glow up. <laughs> Neville was truly slept on. And then, yeah, in the last movie. Yeah. Came for us all in multiple I know. <laughs> well, I I want to shout out one of my favorites, yeah. the fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, my God. I've never watched How it. Because miss- it's a children's book. It's a Roald Dahl book. Oh, oh, right, How did yeah. I not But Wes Anderson, that? what he does with that. He really does just elevate it with the oh stop God, motion because it's a stop motion so animation. I'm watching it tonight. I love animation. I I've love watched it 30 motion. times. It's, no absolutely it's one of my all time favorite films. And they've added like songs and they've added yeah. these set pieces. George Clooney and Meryl Streep mm. are like, just absolutely on. phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of stop motion, isn't that what happened with Coraline? Yeah, Neil Coraline. yeah, the movie's I mean, fantastic. Yeah, I did really like the movie. It's I very liked creepy. The movie. Loved the book as well the book is definitely darker than the film you yeah the filmmaker's job is to be creative like it's not a news report you're not yeah, just exactly. like taking one it. just taking yeah. it you know you've got yeah, to add your it's own not a copy paste job yeah no you got to add your own flair and your own style to it uh, i think that's it for today's episode thank you so much to emily and anya for being wonderful guests um i hope thank you our Thanks listeners, for us. i hope our listeners have enjoyed uh listening as much as we've enjoyed our conversation Chatting. uh this is the podcast licensed poetics i'm your host fang ling uh again thank you to everyone and we'll see you in our next episode Enjoy. bye, bye go read those thank awful you. horrible books <laughs> do it